You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Hello and welcome to the JCN Clinic podcast show and the most dysfunctional start to a podcast show that's ever happened in our over 100 episodes. (laughs) But we have hit record and here we go. (laughs) So today we're talking about the vaginal microbiome or as Chris has already nicknamed, I think the vag microbiome. Vaggie. Vaggie. <laughs> I'm going to call the Vaggie podcast. Lots of nicknames. <laughs> I feel like this is um, getting a fair whack of attention lately, which is really good. Really, really good to see. Although It's good for vaginas to get attention. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> Left down there in the dark. <laughs> Well, that's part of the problem, right? Like the reason like a lot of conditions in relation to the female body, particularly a lot of people say this about endometriosis, is that really there hasn't been a lot of attention as far as studies and money thrown into these areas um, because it has been female-based health, which is, you know, pretty shit. Um, But I think we're at a point where it is now getting more funding, more science, and really, though, it's still on the cusp of a lot of new data and information studies. Like, it's, I mean, it's, a, it's a whole whole new world um, where there's a lot to learn. And even for us, like, it's only just kind of the cusp of the information coming through about the specifics yeah. of the microbiome of the vagina. Um, so I guess first and foremost, um, we've got, we're going to break this up into to segments and talk about how this relates to females <laughs> um, or anyone with a vagina, I should say, realistically. Um, and really from a health point of view, we want to discuss uh, issues in this area and common signs, symptoms that we see and what we do as far as treatments in the clinic. Uh, so I guess to get started, I don't feel like we really need to, I mean, I don't know what you, whether we need to describe what the vaginal microbiome is, but maybe we should just in case, like, are we just assuming people know what we mean? Do you want to give a, I don't know, like an, not a full overview, but explain what we mean by the vaginal microbiome or would you like me to? Exhibit A. (laughs) Oh man, why couldn't we get the video to work? Carissa just lifted a leg in the air, but she does have pants on. <laughs> Thankfully for Jess. <laughs> um, so the vaginal microbiome, like obviously everyone's so aware of what the gut microbiome is. So it's just your, it's basically just that ecosystem. It's got to do with the, the lining of the vagina, the mucosal presentation of the vagina, the, you know, the bacterial and fungal guys that live and inhabit that space, the good and the bad. So it's kind of like when we say microbiome, we're we're referring to the collective environment, basically. So everyone is so well-versed in in our gut microbiome. So essentially it's the same same thing, but it's instead of being the gut ecosystem, it's the vaginal ecosystem is probably the easiest way to say it. Yeah, absolutely. And there's all sorts of microbiomes there now body uh i mm. think it's just the gut one gets all of the attention which it well yeah. deserves because which it, it well is deserves. the king <laughs> and the queen <laughs> but yeah for context chris has just explained that perfectly so what we're going to talk about first is the common symptoms that we see in the clinic or that you may experience that show us that there's potentially some concerns with this microbiome it has the capacity to get out of whack, to um, have imbalances and its own dysbiosis as such and different types of overgrowth, undergrowth issues. So some of the, there's definitely some conditions that we'll discuss, some that maybe you've heard of, maybe some that you haven't. But I think the, the first things I'd like to talk about are what 
people would say, this is going on for me. So mm. very much changes in the vaginal secretions. That's probably things like discharge. A lot of women, well, all women should be getting discharged um, as such, but women will experience um, heavy discharge, thick discharge, often um, really odorous. This this is like, we'll be talking a lot about this as we go through, but this even as a, a symptom is about you understanding your body and what your discharge is as far as its normality because yeah. what I have compared to Carissa compared to the other girls in the clinic is going to be different. So you need to understand your own body and we'll be talking a lot about that. But it's changes that occur in that discharge and often with that for a lot of women and it doesn't always, um, it isn't always the case, there can be odour. Uh, again, we all know how we smell and if there's a change in that smell, that can be another uh, alarming sign for women and often really disconcerting. So they would be mm. they would be two that often can come together but can be separate. Uh, definitely things such as painful sex um, it, and not all of these will come together but that's def definitely something to throw out there. There can be one of the more classic things would be a lot of itching in the area. So women might get itching around the outside of the vagina or more on that vulva area, but often internally there's a really insane itch, which I think a lot of women would put their hands up for that one and experiencing that at different points potentially in their life. Um, there can be pain with urination as well, which obviously is more of the urinary tract, but we, they're very localised to each other and with some conditions you will see that. What were some of the other ones I was thinking? Things like little, little cuts as well. I've got some clients that will have this. Um, there's actually some conditions associated with that, but some women will get like little like micro cuts on that, like on the lips around that sort of, again, on that vulva or on those um, labia labia minor labia oh i should have done my vag biology 101 before vag. this <laughs> so like labia, labia minor and labia oh i can't remember sorry guys the different the different inner that. outer lippies but like i've i've had some clients that have had like these little micro cuts which oh my god just the thought of it i just i think just oh, oh my god <laughs> so there have i missed anything can you think of any, maybe no, dryness, like, vaginal dryness as well. But yeah, yeah, I feel like I feel like everything you've mentioned though is in definitely what we want to cover. Like the different things that are like can happen there. Like I don't I don't think you've really missed too much. Like you covered discharge, yeah, itching, odor, the, yeah, the cuts. I think um, the only other thing I was going to say, you kind of alluded to it, but we might come into it as we talk about bacteria as well as like yeah the whole urinary space as well and where the vaginal microbiome and the health of your vaginal microbiome really influences that urinary tract and can influence that urinary tract as well. So, but I think we'll get into that a bit more later. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So they're probably the main, there might be some others, but really they're kind of like the, the bigger sort of top of the list symptoms. And I would be really surprised if there were many women listening to this that would be like, I've never had any of that. I reckon just about, I don't know, most women would probably be able to pick something off that list, particularly by a certain age, you know, women getting into their probably like mid thirties, forties, it might be able to kind of relate to some of that at some point. And it's really, that's for that reason. That's why it's really important. And we're passionate about this mm. because it's a common area of concern for women. And a lot of, a lot of women feel like it's just something that they should live with, but particularly I think we'll see this in clinic where women will come in and it's just an, a kind of just an exception by them and a society exception that it's normal for women to have frequent thrush infections, frequent UTIs. I mean, you obviously mentioned the urinary tract, that whole lots genital urinary um, relationship there, like particularly those types of conditions. It's just like this, like, oh yeah, yeah. It's like it kind of falls into the same bag as painful periods and, and yeah. issues, issues with your, with your menstrual cycle. It's like, well, that's just part of being a woman. And it kind of makes our blood boil a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it does actually. It definitely does. Maybe a lot after having audio and video issues to start the day. It's gone off rush rant. <laughs> so should we talk about some of the underlying well we want to get into some of the underlying issues for sure but there's definitely some conditions or some terminologies and names that we would use associated with these symptoms which in itself can be really hard because it's not so easy to delineate but do you want to maybe a big word oh i'm feeling very adult today (laughs) delineate I like it. Yeah, you sound like Damien. That's what he says to me. I'll say something sometimes. He's like, ooh, someone's <laughs> getting a bit smart. What do you call it? Podcast smart. And he just goes, <laughs> podcast smart. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yes, let's, let's, let's do delineate. Wanna, <laughs> do you want to highlight maybe a few that pop to mind as far as some of the conditions? I know I just mentioned a few there, oh, but let, let's get into let's, them. Let's get into it. Honestly, probably top of the line of what we treat, what we see and what women come in with is good old fashioned thrush and thrush obviously being caused by an overgrowth of any sort of yeast organisms, usually candida. But not always candida. Like candida is definitely, especially if, um, you know, your gynos or your GPs are doing swabs, candida seems to be the most prevalent fungal or organism that comes back. Um, or, and there's a couple of different, obviously, same as the gut microbiome. There's definitely like a couple of different um, types of candida. So, um, yeah, thrush is like definitely, like I say, thrush is the characteristic, definite change in discharge for a lot of women. It, it's a lot thicker. It's a lot whiter. Some of my girls or women have even like get quite chunky discharge as well. Like it's, you just got to think again, like, it sounds gross when we're talking about it in the context of how could this stuff be coming out of me, but I just always try and bring back to my clients, like, it's just an organism. And if mm. you just take candida out of the vagina or out of the gut, it simply is an organism. And in its pathogenesis of how it grows and colonizes and function, it creates clumps and it and that's just what it does. So even though for a lot of women talking about how bad their thrush is or even mention it they have they get thrush it's kind of like this real it's getting better and obviously the more limelight there is on the vaginal microbiome being as important as any microbiome in our body for females like it's getting less taboo but I still find there's this kind of element of it's not something they talk about a lot or they mention it to you in passing like I sometimes I think in eight years of practice like I've definitely had a good collection of women come to me specifically for thrush but normally thrush is the third or fourth thing they mention and for something that's such a fucker to experience like I, I think most women would have experienced thrush at some stage in their life and I know every woman that has can honestly put her hand up and go you just cross your legs like (laughs) I know when some of my clients have got really bad thrush and they start telling my automatic reaction is I cross my legs because I've had thrush I I used to get thrush a bit in like my late teens and early 20s when I was getting a lot of UTIs and things like that so I know and it is it's just that it's some it's definitely sometimes the change in discharge and stuff but I remember and what a lot of my clients get is fucking itching like the itching is just insane yeah (laughs) um so that's probably your typical your typical thrush that's probably what I think would be my most prevalent one that I see with women and then obviously down the next one would be obviously BV or bacterial vaginosis so we've got Mm. thrush being a a fungal a fungal collection of organisms that causes you know issues in the vaginal microbiome and then we've got our bacterial our bacterial organisms that cause cause can cause issues as well and then we've got STIs and STIs and STDs which obviously we don't treat commonly in the clinic um, but we do obviously have clients that have had those exposure to those or if they have in that you know picked up any of the herpes simplex viruses then that's something look we're looking at treating as well so so the talking about like bacterial vaginosis like i find the majority of my clients that come in with that that's definitely more of the odor stuff like thrush seems to come mm. with an odor hit and miss but it's not something that's commonly talked about that's more the itching i find in the in the change in discharge whereas bacterial bat- vaginosis or B- bv that definitely more seems to come with come with like a definite changing color of discharge for women something that's 
and obvious they're like no i normally have creamy white discharge and now it's like this funky yellow and there's a smell or something like that like it's very obvious and that can obviously be diagnosed through a gp um and it usually is or they just kind of know because they've had it on and off throughout their life so Mm, true yeah. So they're the two ones, and then we've got our STDs and STIs. So, but we're we're commonly treating BV and candida, for sure. And even with those, it's really well explained. Um, even with that BV and thrush or candida or canditis or whatever you want to call it, um, they can <laughs> <It's> so technical. <laughs> whatever you want to fucking call it, canditis. You, canditis. you still can. Like Chris was pointing out, some differences there. But this is, even within those, this is where it can be a little tricky because it's not always so clear cut. And some women will be, if they don't get diagnosed, they'll be like, oh, I've got I've got reoccurrent thrush and they're treating themselves for thrush when they actually have BV and vice versa. Mm. So I think, you know, we will be talking about testing. I think it's really important to get tested. Um, and, and as Carissa mentioned too, like there, you can go to your GP and get tested with um, out, you know, a huge outlay of cash at all. Like most of this, particularly in Australia, is on Medicare, and they can tell mm. you very quickly if you've got BV versus a Candida presentation, and that's super valuable because one's bacterial and one's fungal, and, and one's you might fungal. be trying to treat it like over the counter with like your nil stats mm. and your prescription based antifungals. And even some doctors might do this, be like, "Oh, it's thrush," and not actually test you. It's just like get make sure you know what it is so you can treat that accordingly. That's really important. Um, yeah, hundred hundred percent agree with that. I think I think diagnosis, especially because you know I do feel like I do feel like there's not a lot of women. Well, there is. It's it's getting better, but like we you kind of mentioned too at the start, and I think this is the most important thing is you need to understand your vagina. You need to yeah. know her. <laughs> yeah. You need to, and you know, understanding what she does and doesn't do normally from day to day, from cycle to cycle, through ovulation, through getting a period, like. If you understand her and you know what's normal for your vagina, (laughs) then you're going to know when something's not normal and something's not right. And don't then play guessing games. Or if you're someone who has had thrush and has had it diagnosed, you know what thrush presents like for you. So then if you get something that's different, don't just write it off as thrush because you've had thrush in the past. If it presents itself differently, it may be a completely different collection of organisms or that you need to go and work out what it is. So definitely, yeah, I agree. Like, especially with the vagina, test don't guess because the therapy for the therapy for the vagina microbiome is quite often oral beyond mm-hmm. once, beyond once you're using a pessary or something like that, whether it be to treat, you know, um, like bacterial vaginosis or candida, like beyond pessaries, we're then talking oral administration of things. So if you're constantly flogging your gut with an antifungal or some sort of anti, mm. um, like bacterial antibiotic, and you're taking the wrong thing, you're not only then influencing your gut microbiome to get to your vaginal microbiome, you could be doing it in the wrong way and, you know, taking the wrong exactly. thing unnecessarily. So yeah. it really is important to know, know your vag- what's normal for your vagina and then know when she's not normal and find out what's going on. Yeah, for sure. She, she, <laughs> definitely she. <laughs> um, the other, the only other things I would mention, and this is sort of more, ugh, it's this is probably the more recent research and things coming out. There's actually there's a really amazing. I'm going to forget her last name, but there's a really amazing practitioner in Queensland um, doing a lot in this space. Oh, I was Moira. trying to think of her before we yeah, did this. Yeah, she's great. I've got a couple of clients seeing her, and she's putting a lot of research into. Um, some of the lactobacillus changes in the vagina because when it comes to the microbiome, like I was going to say most people know, not not everyone knows, but the the vagina is quite acidic or should be quite acidic and generally we want Mm. a good lactobacillus colonisation and I think a lot of people, general like lay people and even practitioners would think about using lactobacillus as a probiotic and increasing colonization of lactobacillus in the vagina as a therapy and honestly a lot of the time that's great and that works but what what they're seeing is there's these other types of presentations 
with lactobacillus where it can be actually an overgrowth or a dysregulation of lactobacillus and the, some of the different species and that's where the research is needed more or there's even types of lactobacillus that um, I was listening to something the other day where like the actual um, bacteria itself is a different type of shape um, and that's been associated with some different conditions. There's C, C, CV, CV is one of them, like BV. Um, what does it mean? I'll think of it in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and there's lactobacillus, lactobacillosis, I think off the top of my head, which is more of the different sort of shape of the lactobacillus. But I mean, that doesn't, doesn't we're not here for a science lesson. What I wanted to highlight with those other types of presentations is I love how that shows that knowing more about your vaginal microbiome is important because mm. if you've got those types of presentations going on and you're not aware and you're trying to treat yourself um, with, say, taking probiotics, you might, or, or even with different pessaries with probiotics, which we can get into as well, you might actually be making your symptoms worse so this is where yeah again going right back to the start like we need more and more work and more and more understanding um of all of these different things that can go on in the microbiome so yeah i just wanted to kind of mention that but otherwise what would be awesome is to next explain for you guys how this all starts to relate to other drivers which is what we love as well so obviously we've got the vaginal microbiome itself but it doesn't just exist in a closed off world like well, kind of does <laughs> <laughs> kind of does <laughs> it kind of doesn't the way the we gut should, i was just gonna say we should probably just mention before we get into these other ones that there are definite things that just directly influence the vaginal microbiome before we get into some of the bigger things too like as Jess is just alluding, it goes far beyond like there's so it's not just this closed off little space that is yeah. not influenced by anything. But there are some times for women are just some really simple things you can do in terms of breathing space for the vagina <laughs> and things like that. I know there's like a lot of classic like I start with a lot of my clients, like obviously we get into what Jess and I are just about to cover in a second, like the other drivers and things like that. But just what your vagina is exposed to on or even just your outside vaginal area so what you're calling it before like the, the lippy vulva. area the, the vulva. vulva lippy area um but understanding that space too like what you're washing your vagina and your early bits with like what your what type of undies you wear um what kind of if you are using any sort of um synthetic contraceptive things, any sort of period sorts of things. Like there's lots of things that I chat to my clients too about, like just being very aware of what your whole area comes into contact with and what you're putting up there matters. So if you're someone who is sensitive to latex or, you know, there's just so many other things as well beyond what we're about to talk about. So if you are someone who gets any of these conditions, like don't write that stuff off, like that stuff still really matters. Like you need to not be wearing walking around in wet togs and spandex tights and yeah. spandex who wear spandex these days how many women are like living in active wear these days you know like. <laughs> <Here you go. laughs> I mean, it depends um, on what they're made of but you know like yeah. it kind of plays into that point so much yeah. like you know you gotta i remember my mum always said to my sister and I at night she used to get like so mad if we wore undies to bed she used to be yeah. <laughs> always I can hear in her head going you've got to let your vagina no fanny she would have said fanny you've got to let your fanny breathe let your fanny <laughs> breathe <laughs> it's so like funny I'm like never been able to sleep with undies on because I just feel like my like vagina <laughs> yeah my vagina's gonna suffocate <laughs> it's true though right like yeah. it's just this whole like yeah, I, it's just, yeah, even just what you wash with, like I'm a big person for like I yeah. don't use anything. like, And this is just my entire body in general, like again, talking about biomes, like I'm really a bit of a Nazi about my skin biome and my vagina bi microbiome and all of that. But like I don't use anything with perfumes in it, anything with strong chemicals, like everything for mine is I won't even wash like soap my skin every day. Like I know that sounds crazy, but a lot of soaps and things like that 
have got, um, you know, things that break down oil. And when you think about that whole skin microbiome being such a, a lipid based thing, like I don't think we should be scrubbing the fuck out of our bodies every day. Like, mm. yes, stay clean <laughs> and wash your bits and all that sort of stuff. But like, you know, like I just, I know Mick and I talk about this all the time because he's got really dry skin and he's forever just buying those cheap pump packs of the, like the Dove, oh, yeah. You know, and just scrubs himself every day. I'm like, you're just scrubbing off your body's defense of yeah. having, you know, moisturized skin and things like that. And but I also think about that with like your vagina being such a more sensitive, open, porous. <laughs> can we? Yeah. <laughs> no, but area in terms of what it can absorb and what it comes into contact with. Like sometimes I've had women who it's actually not thrush. It's just an absolute irritation to their sort of vulva and lip area from using something that's got a heavy a heavy perfume or a chemical in it. And we swap their soap and they ain't itchy anymore. <laughs> and so sometimes it's, it's you can step back and simp- think a bit more simplistically too. Look at all that yeah. stuff as well. No, I'm well. glad you mentioned that. That's really important. Like sort of crosses over. Well, it's not even like, a, you know, is it treatment or is it cause? Like it actually is part of this causative factor um Mm. i can actually think of a couple of clients where just exactly that was probably the main driver and just um overly cleaning their their vagina area like really getting in there and like actually like you know flushing water into the area like that is instantly having a detrimental effect onto that Mm. vaginal microbiome and i think that's sort of interesting in its own right like why women do that with this kind of like feeling of it being a dirty area like I find Mm. that fascinating and like that's a whole nother Mm. uh, pathway I could go down as far as like why (laughs) you know the association that we have with that but just yeah that kind of over cleaning and changing the terrain of the microbiome is like can actually be a cause on in its Mm. own right and even that, like, just even on that note too, like you have to, it, it's, this is probably going to freak people out a little bit, but your vagina and your vaginal microbiome and how that connects into your, your uterine, uterus area, mm. it's, a, it's a beyond all the other things that we know that she does in terms of, you know, cycling monthly, grow babies, all of that stuff. Innately, she is a beautiful self-cleaning organ like you've got and i know that i've said that some of my clients and they're like that is so weird but almost think of her like an oyster or a muscle or something like if you don't need to go in if that environment is functioning harmoniously you don't need to go in and fuck with it like yeah. she knows what to do she knows how to clean out period blood she knows how to build up a lining she knows how to deal with sperm she knows how to deal mm. with bacteria like she actually knows what to do and what to get rid of if mm. she's functioning the right way exactly. so you don't need to go up there with soaps and cleaners and excessive yeah. amount of water and all of that like just let her be keep her clean but let her be (laughs) (laughs) oh i'm thinking of some cool little memes for this (laughs) this podcast you've dropped some great (laughs) one-liners so what we want to talk about is other factors now so we've talked like local causes and we've talked some of these different conditions what we also see is there can be other factors that either are playing into this and part of the drivers they could be a driver on their own or they might just be caught up in the cycle and give us more information too about what's going on so I I mean, there's, to me, there's kind of, oh, I was going to say there's two. And then I'm like, no, there's three. <laughs> I keep adding instantly in my head as far as areas here. But hormones are massive um, as far as the menstrual cycle itself. And what, what most women will see if they are getting symptoms is that they will see surges of symptoms at different times of the cycle. And this actually will relate to what we'll talk about probably when we talk about treatment um, and this sort of concept of understanding and knowing your body. Uh, as soon as, like, if someone comes to us with this, we're going to be asking lots of questions about this straight away. When in your cycle is this going on? Like, what is is there a cyclic nature to this? How how well do women even understand or um, know this relationship? And to be honest, a lot of women don't even really know until we start asking them to pay attention but it's very common for women to see a surge in symptoms around ovulation into that luteal phase where we're getting more of that estrogen rise and there's there's 
a relationship between that high estrogen and how that supports or, or gives um, extra sort of growth as such to particularly things like the, the candida. Um, mm. So I know the majority... I want to say like 99%. I'd be interested to hear from you as far as more clients in the hormone space. Um, Majority of the clients I see, this is the pattern that I'm seeing. It's very, very rare that I will see any much outside. There's definitely scopes outside of that. But when I see that... um, yeah, sorry, that, that's what I'm seeing as far as that sort of common cyclic behaviour. And then that comes back to if we're – there's an element of nor- normality to what the cycle is doing there as far as what estrogen's doing through your menstrual cycle. But what we want to look at is what in context to the symptoms you're getting as far as vaginal disruption, is there actually some – poor hormonal health is there potentially some poor detoxification of hormones and clearance of hormones going on that might be playing a part in this and becoming a reason why we're creating a more um i think of the word a more like lovely um supportive environment for these microbes to thrive I wanted yes. to say affluent environment, and I'm like, that's so not the right word. <laughs> affluent. <laughs> yeah, it kind of works, though. <laughs> but yeah, yeah no. I, what about yourself? Do you see, like, what do you see I, as far as those patterns? Do you see much outside 100%, of that? Hundred percent. I think I do. De- I do to a degree, but it's definitely um, it's the only only ones I would say and I'm going to agree with you like it's in the 90 percentile of clients that their thrush is related to their cycle and some of my clients do have come to me with thrush so bad that they have it all the time but then it's just diabolical just before ovulation and then again before they get their period so there's obviously the two big times where we get our estrogen surges or they they're okay then just after ovulation they get another flare around that day 21 to 22 and then it drops Mm -hmm. off and then it's just a horrid leading into their cycle and as any woman who had who has had thrush around the time of her cycle knows like thrush and periods together are just a fuck ton of fun yeah um but i do have some clients who i think they're um their thrush is pill driven which i find really interesting i was about to say really estrogen (laughs) really interesting um and i because obviously they're not getting those cycles but they're and it's usually definitely they're more estrogen based or the combo pills so pills that have the estrogen in them i've definitely seen that influence the vagina microbiome so they're not actually getting cyclical stuff but they just got this this like low grade feeling that they get they get to get a thrush attack all the time and it's just sometimes it happens it turns into one and sometimes it doesn't but there's mm. definitely that and then I just have just get random unexplained bouts of it when they're stressed stress is another one right yeah. like that can really bring on thrush for women like they may not get it so much around their cycle they may get that little hint just before they're about to get their period but it never evolves into anything but then when they they have a really stressful event at work or something they end up in a it's kind of like cold sores for women and stuff right like you you know when you know what your i don't like to use the word weakness but you know what your how your body responds like for me it's coleslaws that's why I always think of that like I don't get thrush anymore but I know if I let myself get run down I push my body too hard for me it's laryngitis and coleslaws (laughs) that's my that's my weakness and that's my telltale but for other women it's thrush so yeah absolutely stress stress can be a massive one but that's typically a lot of what we see with thrush the 95% of people it is cyclical with their how their estrogen behaves and I think I guess just coming back to that as far as like, you know, cause slash driver or slash just that relationship between yeah. the cycle itself and the estrogen. Like there's, there's absolutely, if, you, if you're experiencing these conditions, most of the time as a female, you're going to get this cyclic behavior because of that estrogen activity in your body. But I guess, you know, why we wanted to highlight that is one, just so you know, because some women just like don't sort of understand that. And I think it's always great. The mm. more you know, the more you know and understand. And it's, you know, power, power in education, all that sort of stuff. But it's also about like if we are seeing that a person has a whole lot of additional hormonal symptoms on top of this, 
um, and we're potentially suspecting things like estrogen dominance or, again, like I mentioned earlier about problems with detoxification of these hormones, that's where it becomes these sort of like additional layers. Um, and yep. by us working to support that as well, it can actually help take fuel off the fire. Um, and that's yep. why, again, it's, you know, it, it's important to understand all these aspects. Yeah. The other thing that's probably worth mentioning, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it too, I just thought of a client of mine, but just when you just sort of said um, the hormonal fluctuations then and stuff, I just even thought of like the obviously the relationship between the gut and the vagina microbiome, but the more we learn about the estrobilome or estrobiome and stuff like that, and then the influence of our reproductive cycle on those um, estrogen-based biomes in the, in the gastrointestinal system, I think we're going to learn more about the interplay of that potentially there as well like I feel like that's going to yeah. be a bit of a watch this space if you're someone who doesn't doesn't recycle estrogen well or doesn't yeah j just what you said before detox estrogen uh, well we're not just talking about the liver there we're talking about the gut yeah. um it's really interesting I had a client um she came to me with real she actually was one of those people that came specifically for thrush other than that she was really healthy um she had been on fluconazole every day of her life for the last, wow. I can't even remember how long. So she'd obviously gone through the whole pessary thing. Um, it was very cycle related, but she just had thrush all the time. And then it would just get worse if she, worse if she, you know, comes up to it, coming up to a period and stuff like that. Anyway, so we actually ended up treating her gut first, like mm -hmm. we, before we went into the vagina microbiome, because I kind of got a bit of an inkling that there might've been a bit of SIBO happening as well. So we ended up doing a gut test first, interestingly, to going back to our PCO podcast where we always come back to the gut first we actually treated her gut we treated her for SIBO first which obviously then had a massive impact on her her thrush but and it definitely was a lot less I think we got her I can't remember I know we we got her specialist to reduce her fluconazole she's on like might have been on like 100 milligrams of fluconazole a day like a fucking hefty dose to be taken yeah. orally every day um, I think we might have got it down to 50. I can't exactly remember because it was a couple of years ago now. But anyway, so once we got her gut so much better and worked on estrogen, you know, the estrogen and estrobiome in the gut that we suspected, all that kind of stuff, treated her for SIBO, so much less. But still maybe every three months we'd get this flare. And then, and definitely, again, not someone who was super estrogen-driven in terms of symptoms, but I'm like, let's do your, let's do your Dutch test now because we'd already uh -huh. started treating her for estrogen, but just like we couldn't get rid of this last thing. So... It was a full gut and estrogen thrush driven issue. And we actually didn't touch her vaginal microbiome in the sense of using pessaries or anything mm. like that. We literally just worked with her gut and then worked with her estrogen clearance. And now she really doesn't take Perfect. anything. Perfect. Like, she's been thrush, pretty much thrush free for gosh, a couple of years now, I reckon. But just to give people an idea of like how, yeah, what we're talking about there, right? Like it's not yeah, just your vaginal example. microbiome. like. Yeah, like we didn't do anything with her vagina microbiome. We just mm. influenced it by fixing all these other things that are probably set up over time to change the vagina microbiome. That's it. So, well, the and kind of the irony in that is that that's what we would have done in the majority in the past. It's actually only been in the last maybe year or so as more's come out in this space that. Um, <laughs> Chris is pointing at me, and I'm like, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> do you not hear me now. okay <laughs> again now <laughs> it's only really been um in the last couple of years that we're getting more information about this more topical uh, sorry not really to well topical but like the the sort of direct treatment with the vaginal microbiome in our space but really over our years particularly it's been more about treating the body systemically and the gut mm -hmm. has been a massive part of that and, you know, particularly there's been a lot of testing that we've done with clients and between that and good case taking, treating the gut and improving the gut and when there is a lot of um, signs of, of fungal overgrowth or dysbiosis in the gut, we see a lot of improvements in, in females when they are having these symptoms, say, such as like recurrent candida. So... You know, you, you cannot, as always, like just push aside the gut health component here because even as Carissa mentioned too, we've got the gut itself, we've got its relationship to detoxification um, and how that relates estrogen. We've got the immune system in the gut, which is mm. epic in this, particularly with things like candida, which is 
so virulent and so like opportunistic when it comes to immune compromised conditions. So, you know, like we need a good, healthy immune system to deal with candida overgrowth. And if we don't have a healthy gut for that, it just becomes part of these layers. So gut hormones are crucial here but and then the other one the sort of third one i was thinking of you mentioned is as with everything we talk about stress because it impacts everything (laughs) yep (laughs) done that one but let's move on to this is huge in its own and i um as far as treatment and unpacking all of this i kind of wanted to start first with and we've touched on this the concept of the whole like looking at the whole person or the whole female or person with vagina um, as a, 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 com- a complexity in their own. Like you cannot just, well, you could, if you're just, it's like the, the, the gut just going, well, you've got X, Y, Z symptoms, so I'm just going to, to treat that without asking anything else about that person. We want to know first, like if you, if you have recurrent thrush, what else is going on for you? What else is going on with your hormones? What's going on with your gut? What's going on with your diet? What's going on with your stress? And then we want to know, we want you to know your body. So as Chris has said too, get to know her. Like, what's your cycle <laughs> like? What's your discharge like? How does that change through the month? We want you to know your body really well because understanding your body and how it functions and how things are influencing each other and patterns and how that's influencing your vaginal microbiome is absolutely the most crucial information that you can give us everything Mm -hmm. else on top of that is wonderful but to me without that you're like really just pushing shit uphill as far as like trying to work with this so i just wanted to highlight that first and foremost Yep. Um, so what I guess next? <laughs> as far I was going to take a sip of my water, but I'm going to put that down. <laughs> no, you, I can speak. <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, firstly, besides that, I wanted to talk about, and you mentioned this earlier, there's oral treatment as far as how we can treat the vaginal microbiome but we do have a lot that is becoming more and more open to us particularly in a holistic natural space as far as direct treatment to the vaginal microbiome because i really think forever well and you know modern medicine too it's been like you said we're talking about some of these over the counter your nil stat your i don't know your intraconazoles these sort of like um, you know, these oral medications and they have worked to obviously for people in, in many, many ways. And then even in our space, um, there's a lot that we would use orally and have people take, particularly when it comes to treating the gut as well. But we're really seeing now this wonderful space for how we can treat the microbiome of the vagina with pessaries and actually influencing that um, microbiome directly. And I just think that's so freaking exciting. Like, it just really oh, makes I've me had, fizz. <laughs> I know, for lack of any other better word. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> speaking of weird discharges, that would not be normal. <laughs> Fizzy discharge. <laughs> if you're fizzing. <laughs> No, I actually, I actually You're have like douching loved... with champagne. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got some awesome images in my mind right now. It's not okay. Um, no, I love. I'm really excited about this space too. I've had some great results with this space, as I know you have. Like, obviously, you told me about the the vaginal microbiome testing, and I've done quite a few of those now with clients. But and just using the different types of, you know, like probiotic pessaries instead of going in Mm. with you know um high dose what's the one that you buy that you whack up there and it's really chunky and messy and people always forget all my clients the first line the thing the gps recommend but anyway but just going in but it's not nilstat is it it's um i can't remember uh, what it is anyway everyone who's gone and bought it over the counter will know what we're talking about um anyway so there's this whole yeah the probiotic pessary range is so exciting and it's so fun to talk to your clients about because i've had some rip snorting conversations about how you whack these things up there (laughs) 
But in saying that, I've had some really good results as well. Like clients that, you know, we've done a lot of work with their gut or stress is the impacting thing or that sort of stuff. And I also am just starting to dive into the world of using them as well, not just, but over the last couple of months with clients because they're becoming a thing now we've got access to them and stuff. But just with UTIs as well, like understanding Mm. the vaginal microbiome's role in in recurrent UTIs and, and cystitis and things like that, like E. coli being one of the biggest mm. motherfuckers for UTIs that can be present in the vaginal microbiome. So you've got to think as a woman when you're ovulating and there's a lot more discharge, if you've got some of those you know, guys up there like E. coli and then you're wiping when you go to the toilet and you get that up into your, you know, like your ure- urethra, is that what it is? I always, <laughs> clearly we're good biology students, but you know, like you're wiping that up into the, into the top pee hole. <laughs> But this is, a, you know, like this is... You're like, right, I was saying, I'm like trying to get... My, so you mean like wiping, but you're wiping from your vagina and it's going over the opening of your urethra. Correct. Okay, I'm with I've you. Got some I thought you were going the other way for a minute and I was getting confused. No, okay, no, no, right. wiping up, wiping, wiping up. up. But I've also Do got you? some clients... Okay, hang on for a and sec. And I've got a couple of them at the moment that... Do you... <laughs> it's very important. Do you wipe from back to front or front to back? Well, I go like if you've I, weed. I'm kind of, if I, you know, <laughs> clearly, if I've weed, I try and go the right way, which they tell you to. But I just think I'm a bit of a mismatch person now, like because I know when I used to get a lot of UTIs, they'd go from top to bottom. They go wipe yep. that way. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think I did that for years, but now I just think I do whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a like I'm a I actually wipe front like over the sort of like the opening of your urethra and like get the wee and then I'm like my my thought pattern is if I'm not pulling that right back it's not going over the opening of your vagina whereas like I feel like a lot of women are taught to wipe the other way and yeah which we're taught when we're kids which is yeah and you know why I like think it's interesting is that just with my little um nieces now just seeing them wipe that way and I was like shit like that's right that was how I was taught to wipe but I'm actually probably more going the other way now (laughs) yeah (laughs) but I think I can see how like obviously it comes down to how you can move bacteria back and forth depending on which way Mm. you're wiping anyway I just thought it was worth bringing up (laughs) no it is worth bringing up how do you wipe exactly Um, no I I definitely know because I got such I got chronic I was never a massive thrush person but I had thrush in the past like in my 20s I got it quite like a bit but definitely not compared to what I know people do get it but UTIs were my big thing Mm. like I've suffered with those horrendously for years and and I did all the things right, like wiped top to bottom, like, yep. you know, like would make sure you have a shower after sex, like all the things. Yep. I did all the things. And I didn't have a horrendous diet, but I just got UTIs like a mofo. And looking back, it was probably, it could have been because of that. But um, I think it was more related to the amount of sugar I had in my diet, if I'm being really honest. But <laughs> there's some really interesting stuff coming up now about like, the vaginal microbiome the e coli and some other bacteria that too even like once and again this comes back to ph and again we're talking about ph because we talk about the ph of the vaginal microbiome mm-hmm. but the ph ph of the urinary tract matters as well because if you've got an i can't remember if it's more i think it's more alkaline or acidic god i should have looked all this up before we talked about it. anyway as usual but it's one of those and it actually harbors the growth of bacteria if you get some e coli up in there or any of these other strains from your vaginal microbiome it's just they set up shop in there and they're mm. almost like resistant oh, to yeah. And, you know, so we're getting this colonization of certain types of bacteria up in the uterine wall causing like this, you know, cystitis feeling all the time and, and not sorry, uterus, uterine, did I can't remember which one I said there, but anyway, I know we're not talking about UTIs right now, but it's really important to acknowledge the vaginal microbiome. And I have a chat with some of my clients too, because again, just loving the conversations I have with my clients, but some of my clients, I've got three of them at the moment. And the problem is, is that when they ovulate, their ovulation discharge is so intense uh-huh. that it's just a slip and slide show down there for a couple of days, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's what they're like. And that's what they say. They're like, I just, what am I meant to do? Like put a fucking barrier between my vagina and my wee hole. Like there's just so much stuff happening now. 
<laughs> to the point where you know and it's 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 funny to chat about it. it's not funny because these some of my clients are yeah. getting these recurrent UTIs and they are always a few days after ovulation Interesting. and it's just like yep. yeah so but it it's does make you think about like yeah so it, it's really important in this even just yeah wiping how mm. you wipe and like again like is it as is it as simple as just every woman wiping in the same way do we need to be thinking more about like if we are getting recurrent utis and what is our discharge like and how are we wiping like i think it's actually yeah it's important to consider um i do love geez i've had some fun conversations too with clients about pessary use just some you know it really it really kind of parts parts the kind of weeds for the type of person sometimes you are as far as like just having a frank conversation about like how to insert it and like um you know the all of the when to do it when to insert it what all of the bits and pieces that are involved and when some women are just like yep yep cool and other women are just mortified and it's almost like I feel like I have to be barracking them along just to get that first capsule up there and it's like you know just discussing how it's so minute and small compared to a tampon it's like if you can put a tampon up there you can put a tiny little pill and it's yep. like but what if it falls out I'm like it's not gonna fall out it's, it's not gonna, gonna fall it's out the, like... other thing I, the other thing the other thing the other thing I say to my, well, the clients I get question I get is how long does it take to dissolve and I'm like and from the clients that are still a bit weird about that I'm like waste one tablet but just go and get some water on your fingers yep and play around with it in your fingers and see how quickly that cellulose container dissolves and you're left with probiotic. It is so quick. I'm like, yeah. trust me, your vagina will eat it. It yes, will be fine. Yeah, exactly. Your acidic vagina will melt that in seconds. <laughs> uh, but the cool thing with the pessary space is that probiotics, different types of strains um, we can utilize. And it's not just about the same with the gut. It's not just about killing things off. It's about how we can change the terrain with using different types of species. Um, there's actual probiotic pessaries that are being made for this now. And there's some that aren't sold as pessaries, but if you have a practitioner understands this, they can be used in that way. Um, and we would choose those based on again case taking testing which we'll sort of discuss as we go through too so you know there's also um there's creams there's actually compounding of creams which we're starting to get into just at the clinic now um as far as like putting customized um, mixes together that can have different types of anti-inflammatory antifungal oils or um, different oils that can also if there's like a lot of dryness can be really good for the, the lining of the um, vaginal wall there's yeah there's all different there's different types of antimicrobials that could go into that so it's absolutely a pr amazing to have that more direct effect and I know I've seen with clients where we've been working on their gut on their hormones um, and getting them to a point where particularly their overall symptom picture and their gut symptoms and even and their thrushes um, their gut's great, but there's a little this. We can't get rid of this thrush. It's just kind of like it's it's down regulated, but it's still mm, occurring. Yeah. And to be able to do a test on that particular microbiome and to target it effectively has been a real game changer because it's like you know it's like trying to treat the gut but not taking something for the it's trying to trying to treat the gut by treating the vaginal microbiome. Let's go about it that way. Maybe that makes yeah. a bit more sense. So. Yeah, I just think this kind of like space with direct um, influence is really exciting. And I think there's going to be a lot more that, that comes out in, in that space too. So I think so. Also things like prebiotics as well. Like we would, you know, speaking of just killing everything off, like there's using prebiotics um, orally and potentially, well, not potentially, definitely as far as into that environment, there's um, prebiotics that will encourage the growth of the lactobacillus if that's what we want to do. Yeah. Diet. Can't have this conversation without diet. <laughs> you mentioned <Probably> sugar. <laughs> you know you know what I want to just say firstly about diet is, and I've got a couple of clients that come to mind here where they have recurrent thrush and it's probably say that yeah it's their main the main symptom and they've been working scrupulously scrupulously on their diet and their gut and they're basically at a point where their gut is it's good they're not getting symptoms from food anymore um they should realistically be expanding their diet out 
but they have a lot of fear around what they eat and how that will feed the thrush itself. And for me, this is where I think sometimes, and not every case, but some people can be backed into a corner with a like really severe anti-candida-y type diet where if they were to treat the vaginal microbiome directly and actually change the terrain of that, they would actually not need to have such a limited diet because I think you can get stuck there where it's just like, I can't have any form of like sugar in any component. I can't touch this. I can't touch that. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, and I've definitely seen this. It's like shift gears, start treating the vaginal microbiome itself and start getting immediate um, effect there and then suddenly like you're finding you can start to expand your diet in ways that you couldn't so I find that really um, wonderful as far as people getting stuck but yeah I think otherwise with diet I mean yeah it's it's I feel like I want to say well it's pretty obvious but (laughs) yeah that's kind of where I'm at I don't really have anything to say apart from just do what you're meant to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm sure if anyone's had symptoms, lots of sugar, lots of alcohol, like all of those, a very more um, more inflammatory diet, all the things we've talked about in many, many Booze episodes. Booze can be a massive one for thrush. What was that? Sorry? Booze can be a massive oh, one huge. for thrush. Absolutely huge. huge. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I um I definitely know I haven't had a lot of it, but I thrush that is, but I not booze. booze. <laughs> I definitely know in my younger years if there was anything that would trigger it, it would be alcohol, like absolutely just that concentrated yeah. sugar. Um, probably being up too late and running your immune system down, all all of the things. Mm. Let's. The things is there anything I've young, missed? Because otherwise we might wrap it up with talking about no, testing. I, think, I don't think so like testing obviously we've, we've covered that there's a vaginal microbiome test that's been on the market now for a bit um, and then we're just obviously looking at our you know then there's you can do your vaginal microbiome testing you can get your testing from your GP or your gyno um, then if you then going into the outer spaces we've got the Dutch test of course exactly. we're looking at hormones and the estrogen involvement the gut test gut different types of gut testing to look at bacteria candida in the gut other types of yeast in the gut like it just mm. yeah gosh yeah there's yeah it's not the vaginal microbiome test is wonderful and we're loving it but again it comes back to who you are as a person do you need further testing around your hormones or your gut um, mm. I think just for context there, I've got, um, cause geez, we're dropping all the clients in today. <laughs> I wonder if they'll listen and know themselves. I've got someone that's kind of <laughs> yeah, the opposite. I feel like all of mine will. <laughs> this, this lady's the opposite in that we started with, well, we did, we did a fair bit of work going, going really well, but then still getting some ups and downs with her vaginal health. We actually did a vaginal microbiome test, did some support there, saw Definitely saw some improvements, but I felt like we are hitting a wall and we are missing something. So then we went to an organic acid test because I wanted to know more about her systemic situation as far as fungal overgrowth because mm. her, her vaginal microbiome test told me about imbalances, but there wasn't anything there with yeast, which... Um, surprised me but because of her presentation and other things that were going on I was and again knowing her case so well I was like I feel like we're missing something I think there's there's actually is a yeast picture here it may just not be in the vagina so we did an organic acid test and hello there it was so it's again it kind of just to highlight how these tests can be interrelated and if they're used effectively can be really powerful do a do a bit of a bloody te- name test drop there for how good the organic acid test is for that. Like I, yeah. I love it for, as specific testing for certain clients when they come in for sure. But if I've got a client and I'm just like, I've got, I literally did the same thing with a client this week. I'm just like, I need to know, like a gut test hasn't picked this up. We've treated your SIBO, you're asymptomatic. Like, do you know what I mean? Like there's just, and I'm just like, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a thrush thing, but I'm just like, she's got, she's got glandular. There was just so many things. And I'm like, you've got yeast. I'm just so confident yeah. you do, but we yeah. couldn't pick it up in intestine. I'm like, so we're doing an organic acid test as well. Cause I'm just like, I just, 
I like, and again, it's about just knowing, yeah, test other tests sometimes having their limitations or just, you know, being a savvy, savvy practitioner as we are. But mm. I'm just like, I just refuse to, to accept that this is it. There's something else and I'm going to freaking find it. <laughs> <laughs> you can feel better than this. I'm confident of that. <laughs> Yeah. Ooh, but nice. yeah, how good is the oat test? Bloody awesome. So I think that wraps it up, guys. Hopefully that gives you a really good insight into these symptoms, the conditions driving them and that interrelationship of how things can be influenced by the body, how amazing the you know the options are out there for treatment and management. Um, I think, you know, if anything, we can encourage you, it's to... Firstly, get to know your body. So if this is you and you're like, I wouldn't know the answer to any of those things you're talking about. Just start just doing some tracking and writing down some little diary notes about what your cycle's doing, you know, when these things are occurring, because that's really helpful to start with. And if you're thinking about working with a practitioner, that's really useful to bring along to us as well. Um, And just knowing that it's not normal. There's plenty that can be done, you know, like we're... Your vagina should be a happy little place. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> it deserves to be happy. <laughs> Can we call this podcast Deep Dive Into Your Badge? <laughs> <laughs> I dare you to. Deep Dive Into Your Badge or the Happy Vagina. How to Keep Your Vagina Happy. <laughs> Uh, what was the last one you said it cut out oh, how to keep your vagina happy not as not as good as deep dive into your badge if you have any questions about this whole topic please let us know um also on uh, we usually have some recommendations for you so i'm going to throw that out there well I'm saying this so Chris can go shit, shit, shit and rack her mind because I don't have one either. But on Monday coming, Chris and I are going to do a live and we're going to do a Q&A live and we're going to invite you to join us to ask us a question live. So you can literally just hit join and we'll bring you in and you can ask us anything that you like. Um, we're doing this at five o'clock on Monday um, coming, which is... Oh, do you know the date off the top of your head? Because people might listen to this after. Twenty sixth, I think. <laughs> Is it okay? The twenty sixth. It's the twenty sixth. Monday, the twenty sixth of September. So if you listen to this over the weekend and you've got questions about anything, you can hit us up there. We're also going to be doing some Q and A episodes in general. So look out for our posts on our socials. You can just leave a question there about anything but again we encourage you to do it about your health you might be wanting to ask us something about that anything that's going on with you and if we choose that question um we'll discuss that on the website as well we are sorry on the website on the podcast um we want to do some lives where we'll actually bring you in with us but we've got to work on that we've got to get technology happening first We've actually got to start a podcast and be able to start it within the first five minutes instead of the first half an hour. I know. Oh, P.S. I looked it up while we're talking. That that um, cream is Caniston. I was like, as soon as I saw it. Oh, Caniston. That's the one. Bloody Caniston. Bloody Caniston. Did you have a recommendation? I bloody don't. Hey, Um, I just. That's cool. Go go traveling is my recommendation. Huh? I've just done a month on the road, so yeah, bloody awesome. All right, mine's yeah to all my clients. That, there you I was going to say just to all my clients that let me podcast out of a van and <laughs> I'm not podcast consult out of a van and all of that. Yeah, my recommendation is just get out. <laughs> yeah, you know get what? Into the great yeah, have a if you can. I was talking to a client about this the other day. Um, this between now and the end of the year for everyone is mental and if you can take a little break a mini break and get a couple of extra days off and tacked Mm. onto the weekend god it helps just get you through to the end um yeah i think and i know that's like a luxury for some people to be able to do that but if it's possible do it mick and i have done and this is recommended by a client of mine 
Um, well, she was Lani's actually. So we always used to chat on social media before Lani handed her over to me. And her and her husband last year did a thing called 12 in 12. They made, I think they just made it up themselves, but 12 camping trips in 12 months. So this year, Nick and I are like, well, fuck it, we're going to do that. And it's September and we're nine for nine. Oh, that's so, so cool. Yeah, so we got three to go and we're, going to, we're doing Stratty again in October. So we've already got October and we've got to get two more in before the year's out. So, Good but on you guys. even just the thing is like, I just, if this would be my recommendation, like even, you know, like, yeah, getting away for a whole weekend can be a luxury for some people. It's a lot of organization. Like granted, we don't have kids, so we just throw all our shit and we're such organized campers. We've got a camping room. Mm-hmm. Like we just go in, pack what we need to pack, depending on where we're going. But I like also too, like I just always try and make sure I do something in my weekend that gets me out of the house and signifies that I've had a weekend. Like that is just yeah. a non-negotiable for me. Unless I just need a weekend to do nothing, whether it be a hike, whether it be just go for a drive somewhere that we haven't gone before. Um, I have the All Trails app, which I can't recommend enough to people. Like even if you are in your home and you're like, well, I can't go for a hike because I've got to drive an hour and a half or two hours to get somewhere. If you have the All Trails app, I recommend this to all my clients, all my family members. They think I'm a fucking nutter. But you can just look up where you live and it will give you every walkway, every hike, every um water thing like anything that physically is a designed track that you can walk around or ride a bike around in your area so even in my parents area like i've gone and found like little parklands and little waterways and little walk tracks through um creeks and stuff that i didn't even know existed just for something to do on a sunday morning so you do something different so that's my recommendation is that so is that all trails just all trails a l l t r yeah it's an awesome app it's free as a link in the show notes but it's also good for all your big hikes. Like you can off download all your maps offline, which obviously I use it for my bigger hikes and stuff like that. But even if you just need to get out for half an hour on a Sunday and you don't want to drive anywhere, you can find something that might be four or five Ks. It'll take you someone to your, in your local area that you might not have ever even known existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a goodie. That's good. Um, look, my recommendation would be, I, I don't know if I spoke about this, if we've done a, a podcast since I've had COVID, but my recommendation would be... Um, don't get COVID. Yeah, don't get COVID. But also, if you get... If you're having... Like, if you've got COVID and it's knocked you around, like, just to, to be patient with it, it's something that I've had to uh, learn as far as just recovering. And it's like anything, you know, with a, a really bad flu or recovering from anything, just, like, giving yourself time and not pushing too much like I cannot um at any time I've pushed a little bit too much is when I go a little bit backwards so you know one would be just like understand that you need that time because I think a lot of people and everyone that's I know that I've spoken to that's clients and just general chit chat around COVID has been um, you know the best thing you can do is if you can is to have that time and I know that it's not something we can all do Um, you know you got to still work but it also comes down to what you're doing with your exercise and so forth Um, my other that kind of comes into this is that since I've had COVID I've watched a lot of trash TV and I think I told Carissa (laughs) I've developed a very very shameful addiction to the real housewives <laughs> um i say oh. the real housewives without the end on it because i started with the real housewives of beverly hills which i freaking love and because i was waiting for episodes to drop i moved on to the real housewives of melbourne which is absolutely utterly appalling and i absolutely love that it. doesn't she well that's lex what you guys it. told me and then i try i was like oh my god lex i have to talk to you about blah 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 and she's like oh i think i watched an episode once <laughs> oh i thought she loved it maybe it's something else something else trashy that she loves because oh, i know both her and i had a shameful addiction to the hills for a while um, <laughs> I just think if you're after some serious trash and you need to lie, it's, it's kind of an old school recommendation because it's been around forever, but yeah. it will bring you so much joy. <laughs> Even Damien's addicted. <laughs> I'll put it on and he'll come in and be like, oh, oh, did she really say that? <laughs> so, yeah, if you if you need something just to like make you feel better and you're like lying on the couch just going, I can't believe it, I'm not over this virus, watch it. That brings joy. Yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> okay, guys, thank you so much. Um, 
as always, like we said, leave us any comments on our socials. Love it if you pop a review on Apple iTunes. Helps people find us and have a freaking amazing weekend. And if you don't, get to know your vagina. (laughs) (laughs) Take that any way you like. Yeah. (laughs) I (laughs) agree. So funny. Sounds like I'm a sex teacher. All right, let's sign off before this goes down here. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.